It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Coming up on Locked On Dodgers, we're going to talk about the Dodgers second base situation and what they might do there and a crazy idea we had. We're going to talk about what the starting rotation would look like if the, if the season started today. And we'll look at what the bullpen would look like if the season started today. That's what's on tap. So let's get Locked On Dodgers. You are Locked On Dodgers, your daily Los Angeles Dodgers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Dodger fans. Welcome to Locked On Dodgers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Dodgers your first listen every weekday morning. Remember, this show is free and available on all podcast platforms and on YouTube simply by searching for Locked On Dodgers. Or even better, go ahead and subscribe wherever you're watching or listening right now, and then you will never miss a day because you know we're not going to. If this is your first time watching or listening, I am Jeff Snyder. My normal co-host is Vince Semperio, although it's just me again for one last day today. Vince is, as I'm recording this, in his car traveling home from Mexico for his funeral uh, for his grandfather. So uh, it's he, he got delayed. So it's me for one more day. And then hopefully Vince and I will be back together for tomorrow's episode. Vince and I are both lifelong Dodger fans, just like you are. We've also both spent time covering the Dodgers in the press box and the locker room. So we're not quite insiders, but we bring you the smart fans perspective on our boys in blue every weekday morning. And with that out of the way, let's get started. And uh I, as you probably know, uh, for for my day job, I write for Dodgers Nation, and so I spend basically all my time thinking about the Dodgers, writing about the Dodgers, talking about the Dodgers, uh, and then you know when I'm not doing that, I'm you know being a husband and father and whatever else I have going on, but mostly it's Dodger stuff. And uh, I, I've been thinking about you know yesterday's episode, I talked about the Dodgers prospect list, and I talked about what the what baseball pr- prospectus said about Michael Bush and how his value might lie in being a utility player more than more than a second baseman. And I got to thinking about if the Dodgers, you know, th- there was a time a couple of years ago, you remember the Dodgers would sometimes go a full season without a set guy at a specific position. Uh, and often it was second base. They'd just bounce around, you know, Kiki Hernandez played some second base. Gavin Lux played some, Chris Taylor played some. And I started thinking of wondering if that might be, if second baseman might be that position again in 2023. You know, Dave Roberts has talked about, uh, I've poo-pooed the idea of Mookie Betts becoming the second baseman. You know, there was that talk early in the offseason about if the Dodgers sign Aaron Judge, they can move Mookie Betts to second base. And as I said then, it was a crazy idea that was never going to happen because Mookie Betts is a six-time gold glover in right field. You don't move him to second base to make room for a worse right fielder defensively. There's other places you could put Aaron Judge if you really want to sign Aaron Judge. And obviously they didn't, and they were never going to sign Aaron Judge. And they were never going to move Mookie Betts to second base. But Dave Roberts has talked about the possibility of using Betts at second a little more often as a way of giving him a partial day off. Basically, playing second base is easier than playing right field, less ground to cover, and uh, even just less running to get out to your position. You know, from the third base dugout to right field, it's a lot farther run than from third base to second, third base dugout to second base. Um, so, it's uh, all, all in all, it's an easier day. So when you want to keep Mookie's bat in the lineup, but give him kind of a day off, it, it's a great, uh, great compromise. And if they're going to be doing that, say 
15 times in 2023, 15 times they're going to give Mookie a, a game at second base. That's like, you know, once every week and a half or so. Um, the, even that much kind of says, well, you can't really have a set second baseman uh, at 15. I guess you could. Uh, but, you know, if Michael Bush is going to sometimes, if he's going to be on the roster and sometimes play second base, I started thinking about the Dodgers have a lot of guys who can play second base. They have Max Muncy who turned himself into a solid second baseman. Now with the, the shift band, I don't know. Muncy is very quick for his size. I don't know how much range he, he'll have at second base, but, you know, I, I'm not totally sure that he'd be terrible. You have Chris Taylor who uh, could be a very good second baseman. We don't know for sure. Uh, how his arm issues are and you know everybody we've seen play second for the Dodgers did so during the shift era and so we can guess at how much range they'd have we can guess that Taylor because he's a great athlete would have decent range don't know that for sure then you got Bush you got Betts you have Miguel Vargas who uh, you know he's mostly a third baseman but uh, mostly a hitter and second base is one of the positions they've tried him at to to move him around the around the diamond and so he could get some time at second base. Gavin Lux could get some time at second base, even if he's the starting shortstop, you know, if they, uh, for whatever reason, if they want to have him and, you know, Taylor in the lineup and somebody else, they could put Taylor at short for a game, Lux at second base, you know, uh, that's a possibility. And, and, you know, that's six guys, Muncie, Taylor, Bush, Betts, Vargas, Lux, who, between the six of them could probably be the starting second baseman and they could probably just not have a starting second baseman and use those guys. And obviously Taylor would play some outfield too. And like I said, maybe some shortstop once in a while, Vargas would play some third and some left and, you know, all these guys, Bush would maybe play some left field. Uh, Muncie obviously would play a lot of third base, probably going to be the primary third baseman. Uh, Bets would mostly play right field, but you could move those guys around and get those guys in the lineup and cover second base that way. I don't know if it's the best option, and and I still kind of think the Dodgers are going to try to swing a trade for a shortstop. I, the Brewers have said they're not going to trade Willie Adamas, but the Brewers also haven't really done anything to get better this offseason. They've made some trades. They, you know, it's not like they've stood still, but uh, you know, either either before this offseason's over or by the trade deadline, I expect the Brewers to be in sell mode. And I still think the Dodgers will be in on Willie Adamas, which would then move Lux back over to second base. And uh, maybe it's a moot point. But if they, you know, I've been doing a lot of thinking that the whole theme of this episode is if the, if the season started today, what would the team look like? And if it started today, I think that would be their best approach at second base would be to use those six guys in some form and, and kind of create a six headed monster at second base. So you can get his days off. You can you can get Bush in there. You can get Vargas some time. You know, all those things. Uh, it worked for the Dodgers in the past, and and some of that. I mean, they had Kike Hernandez as one of them. And Kike, when he played second base for the Dodgers, he was a utility guy. But at second base, he was the best defensive second baseman in baseball uh, by the numbers. And I don't think the Dodgers are going to have any of those guys be the best second baseman in baseball by the numbers there's a lot of athleticism there and I think they could hold it down and do pretty okay there. So I'm interested to hear what you guys think about that idea. Um, Obviously there's still what, almost two months before spring training starts and there's over three months before the season actually starts. And so there's still time to 
to make moves and to change the roster. But if the season started today, I like that six-headed second baseman idea kind of kind of a lot. So if you're watching on YouTube, I'd love to hear your thoughts in the comments. If you're listening on the podcast, love to hear from you on social media or email. I'll give you all the contact info at the end, like I always do. I'm going to come back in a minute, and in the theme of if the season started today, we will look at what the Dodgers starting rotation would probably look like if the season started today. So thank you for making Locked on Dodgers your first listen every weekday morning, and please keep it Locked on Dodgers. This episode is brought to you by Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From pro football to college bowl season to basketball and everything else, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can even find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, I am back. I want to thank you again for making Locked On Dodgers your first listen every weekday morning. It really does mean a lot to us. Uh, I miss talking to Vince. I am sure you miss hearing from Vince, and I'm looking forward to having him back. But he and I both really appreciate all of you checking in with us every weekday morning. And I encourage you, if you're not with us every day, you know, pick that up a little bit. And uh, if you're listening on the podcast, check it out on YouTube once in a while. If you want to see uh, my my gray beard and my fat face, uh, you know, or Vince's black beard and his fat face, you know. Um, it's, uh, I think I put the emphasis on the wrong syllable in the last uh, sentence, but that's okay. Uh, anyway, uh, we love having you guys here with us. We love talking Dodgers with you. Uh, looking at the Dodgers rotation, if the season started today, what would the rotation look like? Uh, and it's kind of, I have kind of five groups here of, of different pitchers. There's three sure things, Julio. Kershaw and Syndergaard at this point are sure things. They are definitely going to be in the rotation. Obviously, when you're talking about pitchers, there's no such thing as an actual sure thing because pitchers' arms get hurt or their backs get hurt or their whatever else gets hurt. But assuming they're healthy, uh, Julio, Kershaw, Syndergaard, they're all going to be in the starting rotation. Julio, because he has established himself as the ace of the rotation, he's been outstanding the last two years. He had never thrown more than what, 70, uh, 79.2 innings, 79 two-thirds innings, I think, was his career high in a big league season. And in the last two years, he's thrown 185 and 175 innings uh, the last two years. And he's been one of the best pitchers in baseball while doing it. And so that is, for me, enough to say Julio's the ace. He'll probably be the opening day starter. It doesn't really matter who's the opening day starter. There's not a practical difference between starting the first game and starting the second game. Uh, but I think Julio... Since the Dodgers last year went with Bueller, even though Kershaw was was healthy or reasonably healthy, or they named Bueller the starter when they thought Kershaw was healthy, whatever it was, um, that I, I think that seal has been broken. And so, yeah, I think it's Julio's. He has earned the opening day starter. Then Kershaw, you know, as long as he's a Dodger, he's going to be a lock for the starting rotation. When he's healthy, he's still almost as good as ever. His ERA last year was 228, lowered his career ERA to two, which is the best in of any starter in the live ball era in history. Um, that's a hundred years of baseball and Kershaw is the best starting pitcher in that time. ERA, ERA wise. Uh, he's outstanding and awesome when he's healthy. He's not always healthy. Maybe 2023 will be that year where we get a full 32 starts from Kershaw for the first time since 2015. Chances are it won't, but that's okay because when he's healthy, he's very, very good. And if he's healthy, he's going to be in the opening day rotation. And then Noah Syndergaard is a lock because the Dodgers signed him to be a starter. 
uh, kind of like you know, I'm going to talk in the last segment about the bullpen and Syndergaard and Shelby Miller are kind of similar things. We don't really know how the experiment's going to go, but it's pretty much a guarantee that the experiment is going to happen. And so on opening day, yeah, Syndergaard's going to be in the starting rotation. So those three guys are locks. Then we have two guys who are almost sure things, and that's Tony Gonson and Dustin May. And really both of these guys, if they're healthy, they're probably sure things. The reason I put them maybe a tier lower is because them and healthy maybe isn't even the right word. You know, Dustin May, he came back from Tommy John surgery last year. He pitched and made six starts and was hit and miss. He was decent in half of them and not great in the other half. And uh, and then he went back on the injured list with lower back tightness and, uh, you know, came back. He was on the roster in the postseason, didn't pitch. And so, like, I don't know what to expect from Dustin May. And, and I think spring training will tell us a lot. He'll come out and we'll see how he is health-wise and everything. So I, I just feel like there's a bigger question mark on him for health and effectiveness than the three guys they listed as sure things. And Gonsolin is kind of the same boat. When he was – you know, before he went down with a forearm strain last last year, in, in late August, had the forearm strain, cost him basically the rest of the season. He made one abbreviated start at the very end of the season. But really, he was done after August 23rd or whatever it was. But before that, I mean, he was he was 16-1 and one with a 210 ERA. He was an all-star and every bit deserving. He was legitimately great last year. He was a legitimate Cy Young candidate before he got hurt. The only reason I don't have him as a sure thing is because he hasn't, he's thrown, you know, two innings in the regular season, a little bit in the postseason since that forearm strain. And we don't totally know what to expect from him. And so I'm assuming that Gonsolin will, in spring training, look healthy and effective, but I'm just not quite as sure about that. But if those guys are all healthy, that's your starting five right now. That is the rotation. Now, the Dodgers could go with the six man rotation. Uh, there's, Pretty much all five of those guys have reasons why you might want to go with a six-man rotation. Like I said, Julio has thrown a lot more innings the last two years than he ever had before. And I know uh, it, it came back to bite him a little bit because it was the lack of innings that cost him the Cy Young Award. Um, but for the team purposes, and, and that's one of the challenges of the Cy Young Award, is it's an individual award and not everything that a pitcher can do to earn the Cy Young Award is what's best for the team. And the Dodgers play the regular season expecting to play a full month of the postseason. Now, they didn't this last year. As it turns out, they could have pushed Julio harder because they lost in the first round of the playoffs. Uh, but they plan for a long October, and they have to keep the innings available. And that's just kind of the nature of playing for a good team. It's why Sandy Alcantara had the advantage in the Cy Young voting because he played for a bad team that didn't need to worry about October. Um, but the Dodgers could go with a six-man rotation to to give Julio an extra day off uh, most most times through. Kershaw obviously could use an extra day off most times through. Syndergaard, we don't know what to expect from him health-wise, uh, but if nothing else, he has an incentive clause in his contract based on innings pitch, so six-man rotation maybe saves the Dodgers some money. I don't think they would do it for that reason, but I do think they it would be reasonable to – uh, protect Syndergaard with a six-man rotation. May and Gonsolin obviously could benefit from a six-man rotation. So if they went with a six-man rotation, then we get to my next group, which is the ready and reserve group. And that's what I call it. And there's three guys here. You got Ryan Pepio, Michael Grove, and Andre Jackson. And all three of those guys uh, 
Pepio and Grove both made six or seven starts each last year for the Dodgers. Andre Jackson has actually never made a start in the big leagues. He's pitched in seven games, I think, for the Dodgers over the last two years, but all in relief, even though he's been almost primarily a starter uh, in the minor leagues. Uh, but I, I mentioned yesterday, did I mention this? I don't remember. It was in that baseball prospectus uh, prospects column. I might not have talked about this, so I'll talk about it now. Uh, BP in their blurb on Jackson, who's like is like their 20, 20th or 21st prospect, said that his repertoire might be better suited as a reliever, specifically a multi-inning reliever, because he's basically a two-pitch pitcher, and his changeup is the only excellent pitch. His changeup is legitimately very good, and he has a solid fastball that plays well off the changeup, but still, it's basically a two-pitch mix. And that probably isn't a starter's repertoire in the, in the big leagues, but it could be a very, very effective reliever's repertoire, especially a multi-inning guy who doesn't have to worry about facing the same hitter twice, but can get you through multiple innings because he's built up like a starter. So, And, and that's kind of how the Dodgers have used him. He's pitched in seven games in the big leagues, and he's pitched just over 21 innings. So he's averaging three innings per outing, in relief, I love inning and outing in the same uh, same sentence. And sometimes they even mean the same thing. If a reliever comes in and throws one inning, you say that was a good inning or that was a good outing. Hmm. Seems like they should be opposites, but they're not. That's been English fun, Jeff. Um, yeah, Andre Jackson, he fills that role as a reliever. Um, and I may talk about that a little bit more in the third segment, but he's also an option to be a starter. Pepio. Uh, is probably the the first one up for that sixth starter spot, whether it's a six-man rotation or, you know, first guy who goes down with injury, simply because Pepio is the highest-rated prospect of those guys uh, and has the most promise. I Like Michael Grove, I don't think he's ever going to be anything more than, you know, an adequate fifth starter on any big league team. Pepio, I think, has what it takes to be a good fifth starter or an average third starter, even if he can harness that command and his big issue last year, he averaged like 20.7 pitches per inning. That is not the recipe to go deep in games. And uh, you know, there's been plenty of pitchers who have thrown too many pitches when they were young because they couldn't, you know, didn't have the command or didn't have the confidence to go after it or whatever. That was a big knock on Kershaw. I've mentioned this before when Kershaw was young, the big knock was he doesn't get through innings quick enough to go deep in games uh, that definitely changed for Kershaw. Dustin May and Tony Gonsolin both had the same issue. I don't think any of them had the issue to the extent that that Pepio did last year, but it's not crazy to think Pepio could be, you know, he, he wasn't bad last year. His ERA was, you know, in the low threes. He His ERA plus was 122. So he was 22% better than league average, uh, but he wasn't, he didn't throw nearly enough innings. And so he wasn't a starter you could count on really. And uh, that would need to change, but I think he'd be first up. Grove would be if they need a starter and, you know, Pepio, his spot in the rotation in the minors doesn't line up, but Groves does. He's an option, uh, but that that's kind of there. And then you've got, so that was my third group. And then the fourth group of starters I have, I call the hoping to make things interesting group, uh, which is basically just Bobby Miller and Gavin Stone. Both of them jumped from double A AA to triple A midseason last year. Both of them pitched well in triple A. Stone pitched better than Miller. Miller is a higher rated prospect, has better stuff probably. Um, Stone might be a little bit closer to ready for the big leagues, but they're both kind of they're both going to be ready for the big leagues this year at some point. And they're both kind of hoping to press the issue and make things interesting, make hard decisions for the Dodgers. So you know what? We're dominating at triple A. We look good doing it. 
you need to find room for us in your rotation. And maybe that's when they go with a six-man rotation is to say, okay, Bobby Miller's ready. Let's add him into the rotation. We'll just make it a six-man rotation. Or they come up when guys get hurt. But both of those guys I expect to be pushing to make their debuts. Um, and the reason they're not in the ready and reserve group is because neither of them's on the 40-man roster. And they would require a roster move. And Pepio and Grove and Jackson don't. And so that's why our first up probably if somebody goes down with an injury. Um, but uh, Stone and Miller could definitely press the issue and make things interesting. And then group five is Trevor Bauer. Uh, he's probably not going to be on the roster. If he is, he'll probably be in the rotation. But even then, like, I mean, we don't know. By the time the season starts, it'll be 20 months since Trevor Bauer's thrown a competitive pitch. Uh, he he got suspended or got put on administrative leave right after the league cracked down on sticky stuff. So he only had two starts after the crackdown. So it's a very small sample. But his ERA before the crackdown was 245, and after it was 375. Could just be coincidence, but it could be that Trevor Bauer is not as good a pitcher without sticky stuff uh, and with being off for 20 months, even if he is still on the Dodgers roster, which I'm not getting into that again. Uh, but if he is on the Dodger roster, I'm not convinced that he would earn a spot in the rotation. Uh, and so uh, for those two reasons, I, I have him in the not likely fifth group by himself. So I'm going to come back in just a minute. I'm going to talk about the bullpen and what it might look like on opening day if the season started today. So thank you again for making Locked on Dodgers your first listen every weekday morning, and please keep it Locked on Dodgers. This episode is brought to you by the NHTSA. So you're hanging out with some friends and putting back a few drinks. A few become a few too many as the evening comes to an end and people start to head out. You think of calling for a ride. Nah, you live nearby. You can make it home okay. It's no big deal. What are the odds you'll get pulled over anyway? And even so, what's the worst that could happen? Your insurance goes up. You lose your license. You lose your job. You total your car. You kill someone. Everyone knows about the risks of driving drunk. The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that still doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. So if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again. Play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. All right, I am back. I want to thank you again for making Locked On Dodgers your first listen every weekday morning. When you're done with this show, check out Locked On Sports Today for your second listen. It's the biggest stories around the sports world in 20 minutes or less, plus instant reactions, game recaps, and Locked On's take of the day. Locked On Sports Today, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. All right, last segment, and we're going to talk about if the season started today, what would the Dodgers bullpen look like? And again, I, I separated this into groups again, kind of like I did with the starters, uh, different groups, but uh, there's going to be an eight-man bullpen. There's 13-man pitching staff, five in the rotation. So you have eight guys in the bullpen. And there's really, there's six sure things. And I'm just going to do these guys in alphabetical order, not in order of uh, of how good they are, because alphabetical order is easier. So my sure things, and again, with pitchers, sure thing means assuming they're healthy. Uh, we got Yancy Almonte. Uh, he was so good when he was healthy in 2022. He had a 102 ERA in 35 innings. Uh, he he might not actually be that good, but he definitely figured something out when he came to the Dodgers. So thank you, Jake McGee, for telling Yancy Almonte to come to the Dodgers. Next one is Bruce Dargratterall. Uh, his overall numbers in 2022 weren't amazing, but his last 25 innings, 25 and a third innings, he had a 178 ERA. Even though his strikeout rate didn't go up, his strikeout rate was 7.8 per nine. 
during that hot stretch and seven and point eight per nine overall. So it was the same, but he gets very weak contact. He's a very good pitcher, even though he doesn't strike out nearly as many hitters as you would expect from a guy who throws as hard as he does. The other downside of Gratterall is those 25 and the third innings uh, took about three months to do because there were two injured list stints uh, mixed in there. And so health is always going to be a question for him too. Uh, In fact, everybody on the, or the first four guys on my sure things list all have some health concerns. Uh, The next one is Daniel Hudson. His season ended early last year when he tore his ACL. He was very good before that. And he has a track record of being a good closer. So I, I think personally, if the Dodgers do decide they want a dedicated ninth inning guy, I think that should be Daniel Hudson's job because he's done it before. And he's a guy because of his age and his health, he could maybe benefit from the set routine of knowing when he's going to pitch. Uh, I like Evan Phillips uh, as the, as the fireman role. And so I like Daniel Hudson as a closer. Uh, next one is Shelby Miller. Uh, like I said, with Syndergaard, you know, the Dodgers signed Miller to be a reliever. They're going to do the experiment. We don't know how the experiment's going to go, but we know the experiment's going to happen. So Shelby Miller is going to be in the Dodgers opening day bullpen. And hopefully they can, you know, they, they're already working with him. He's already working on, new pitches and refining the pitches he has. Uh, he's been working hard in Arizona. Uh, he's been on the phone a lot with Mark Pryor, working with Connor McGinnis. He's committed. The Dodgers are committed. And hopefully he can uh, it, it can work out for everybody. Uh, the, the fifth one in my locks section is Evan Phillips. He was their best reliever in 2022. And nothing about his year suggested that it was a fluke. He just, you know, he goes out there, looks like a nice guy, and then just rips your heart out with that slider. And uh, really good fastball too. He is very good. And I expect him to be very, very good again in 2023. And then my sixth lock for the, the bullpen on opening day is Alex Vesia. Uh, kind of, he'd be the only lefty at this point. Uh, he's the only lefty of my six locks. He was very good all year in 2022, but especially the last three months, his, uh, his ERA or his last 25 innings pitch was 0.36. And, uh, like most lefties, he was tougher against lefties than he was against righties, but he was actually pretty okay against righties too. Righties only had a 623 OPS against him, and uh, and that's that's pretty good uh, for a left-handed reliever. A guy you can bring in, if there's an inning where two out of three guys are left-handed, you can bring in Vesia knowing he's going to dominate the lefties and have a pretty good chance of getting the righty out too. And so uh, those are my six locks. So that's six of the eight spots. Uh, and then... It, there, there's not like with the starters, it was like, okay, you have your three locks and then the two who are almost locks and there's your rotation. But the Dodgers, I, I'm counting six other guys who have at least some chance at that second spot. And so I've separated those guys into two different groups. Uh, the first group is the other lefties. You know, we have Alex Vesia in the bullpen and then you've got Justin Brule, Caleb Gerson, and Victor Gonzalez. You know, Brule, nothing about Brule is exciting. He doesn't throw hard. He doesn't strike guys out. I mean, he posted a decent ERA, three three eighty ERA last year. Although, I mean, that's worse than what Craig Kimbrell's ended up at, and so, you know, it's it's not great. Uh, but Brule is a guy who, in certain circumstances, uh, you know, breaking case of emergency, he isn't a terrible option as the eighth guy in your bullpen. And uh, there's something to be said for that. Um, Caleb Ferguson was really really good last year, one eighty two ERA overall. Um, but it was his first year back from Tommy John surgery. And there may be questions about his stamina, especially because in his last 16 innings of the season, he posted a 394 ERA. And so he definitely 
Remember, he didn't allow a run in his first 18 innings of, of pitching, but then he uh, he allowed a lot of runs in his last 16 innings. It was not great, and so we'll have to kind of see where Gratter or where Ferguson comes in health wise and effectiveness effectiveness wise. And then the last lefty is Victor Gonzalez, who oh yeah, he exists. Uh, he was very very good for the Dodgers in 2022. Uh, and they were counting on that again in 2020, or sorry, in 2020, he was very good when they won the world series. They were counting on that in 2021. Um, and he just wasn't, he wasn't very good. He got injured. He spent time in the minors and then he missed all of 2022 with a shoulder injury. And so theoretically he's healthy now, but there's really no way to guess at this point, whether he's going to be any good. So, that's the three lefties. And then the other group is the, I don't know, kind of group. You've got Phil Bickford. You know, somehow he lasted the whole season with the Dodgers last year, despite, uh, you know, he, he threw more innings than anybody, any reliever other than Evan Phillips last year for the Dodgers. But he also had the highest rele- highest ERA of any reliever on the team who threw at least five innings. And that includes Hanser Alberto. Hanser Alberto had a better ERA than Phil Bickford last year. Can't tell you all you need to know. His, his ERA was 472. It had been 250 the year before, and he was very, very good in 2021. So maybe he can figure things out. Maybe it's one of those things where you can't figure it out during the season, but uh, uh, hard work in the offseason, maybe he'll get back that 2021 form, but he's going to have to earn a spot he, in the bullpen if he's going to have one. Then you got Andre Jackson, who I talked about it as a starter potentially, but I also said he's maybe more suited for the bullpen. And his ERA in those 21 and a third innings that he's pitched with the Dodgers, it's 211. He's been very, very good. And uh, like I said, he just has the two-pitch repertoire that maybe works better as a reliever. And with the way the Dodgers bullpen is set up and, you know, having situations where you might need a a spot starter or even just a, a long reliever if a, if a guy doesn't go deep, Andre Jackson could find himself in the Dodgers bullpen uh, in, in you know on opening day and for most of the season in 2023. And then the last guy is Jake Reed. Jake Reed has pitched for the Dodgers each of the last two years. He's also pitched for the Mets and the Orioles, and he's also been in the Red Sox and Rays systems during that time. He bounces around. Actually, he was in the Angels system in 2021, too. So uh, he's back with the Dodgers now. They claimed him off waivers last month. Um, So if he's on the 40-man roster when opening day rolls around, he could be that eighth guy in the bullpen. But he's also probably the first guy up to be cut if the Dodgers – you know, sign a free agent or, and need that 40-man roster spot, or even if they decide to keep Trevor Bauer and need the roster spot for him. Jake Reed is probably the guy who gets cut. Um, but if he's on the 40-man roster, he could maybe see some time in the bullpen. So if I had to guess right now, the opening day bullpen, based on who they have on the roster right now, I'd go with the sure things, you know, Almonte, Gratterall, Hudson, Miller, Phillips, and Vesia. And then I'd go with Caleb Ferguson and Andre Jackson, I think. That would be my eight-man bullpen uh, based on what they have right now. I could see them going with, you know, either Brewer or Gonzalez instead of Jackson. Um, there's a lot of things I could see happening, but that's my guess for the eight-man rotation. Uh, and yeah, I'd love to hear your thoughts. It, it he has potential to be a solid bullpen. Uh, they were really good last year. They lost two guys. They lost Tommy Canley and Chris Martin, but they also lost Craig Kimbrell. So maybe that all evens out in the wash. Uh, I think the bullpen could be pretty good this year, especially if. You know, can stay healthy, and you know if if Almonte can keep up what he did, Phillips can keep it up, Gradarl can take that next step forward. There's a lot of ifs, but potentially a really good bullpen. So that's my thoughts there. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Uh, that's going to do it for me for today. Thank you again for making Locked On Dodgers your first listen every day. 
Now for your second lesson, check out Locked On Sports Today. Peter Bukowski brings you the biggest stories from around the sports world in 20 minutes. Get the analysis and opinions before anyone else with our local and national experts and insiders. Locked On Sports Today podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. If you're not watching, listen to Locked On Dodgers every day. We'd love if you add one or two days a month to rotation. If uh, you have friends or family who love the Dodgers like you do, please tell them about the show. If you're watching on YouTube, love to hear from you in the comments. If you are listening to the podcast, we would love to hear from you uh, on social media if you want to. You can follow us on Instagram and on Twitter at Locked On Dodgers. Vince is on Twitter at Vince Semperio. I'm on Twitter at Snydog, and the DMs are open in all of those places. Our email address is LockedOnDodgers at gmail.com. And our phone number for voicemails or text messages is 323-863-LOCK-5625. We are here every weekday morning, and we hope you'll be here with us. When you get in your car or sit on your couch, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On Dodgers. And remember, you don't have to agree. You just have to listen. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 